Today's story is not for the squeamish or empathic. If you're sensitive to real life violence, particularly against women and children, I would not recommend going forward. Because today I'm breaking down the very messed up origins of a story called The Horse, which in my opinion is one of the most bizarre and the scary stories to tell in the Dark Trilogy, and not one I expected to be inspired by real events. But it turns out humans are more psychotic than I realized. I'm talking Satan worship, accusations of witchcraft, public executions, as well as humiliation. I should give thanks to Factor for bravely sponsoring an episode that will surely make you lose your appetite, but more on them later. Right now, I want to tell you a story. The story of the horse. Like many of the folktales that Alvin Schwartz collected, the horse follows two farmhands. These ones are named Boone and Caleb. They lived in a little shack on the farmer's property, and Boone's bed was in the back of the room while Caleb slept near the door. The two had been working for the farmer for a few months now, and it wasn't always easy work, but it was steady and paid well. The young men always enjoyed starting their day when the sun came up and finishing their duties while it was still light out in the early afternoon. But one day, Boone noticed that Caleb was moving slower in the mornings than he used to. Not only that, he was finishing his work later than usual because he was periodically stopping to rest. Boone asked Caleb if he was feeling alright, and Caleb admitted that he was exhausted and terrified. He said that every night, a witch was sneaking into their shack turning him into a horse and riding him all over the countryside. Boone couldn't help but laugh at the ridiculous story and the mental image it conjured up, but when he realized that Caleb wasn't joking, he suggested they switch beds for the night so he could experience it for himself. He did not have to wait long to find out the truth. Sure enough, that night, just after Caleb had fallen asleep at the back of the room, an old woman carefully opened the front door of their shack and tiptoed her way over to Boone, who was pretending to sleep in the front bed. The woman raised her hand over him, mumbled some strange words, and suddenly Boone was paralyzed. He couldn't move. Then the witch placed a small bridle on his back transforming him into a horse. She immediately led him out of the house and raced him across the countryside at breakneck speed and would even whip him to make him run even faster. But eventually, they did reach their final destination, a small house in the middle of nowhere where a huge party was going on. The witch hitched the horse to the fence and went to join her fellow heathens in a night of debauchery. But Boone wasn't just going to sit there waiting to be ridden and whipped all the way back home. He rubbed against the fence with his little horse body and managed to unhook the bridle, which turned him human again. Then he picked up the bridle and went witch hunting. Despite the rampant chaos of the party, it didn't take him long to track her down. And when he did, he repeated the same magic words that she cast on him, freezing her in place. Then he put the bridle on her back transforming her into a horse. Boone then jumped on her back and rode her across the countryside, beating her the entire way to give her a taste of her own medicine. But he didn't take her back home. Instead, he brought her to a blacksmith and had her fitted with horseshoes. But if that doesn't sound painful enough, it gets worse, because Boone had realized earlier that the mysterious woman was the old lady who lived on the next farm over, so he returned her to her husband without realizing the horse was his wife. Instead, he offered to trade him this fast filly for a stronger workhorse, and the husband agreed to it. But after Boone had left, the husband removed the bridle and was met with a horrifying sight. Sitting on the ground in a puddle of blood was his wife, whimpering in pain, 
with horseshoes nailed to her hands and feet. And if you think that's a brutal ending, just wait until we get to the origin story. First though, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Factor. Let's face it, not everyone has the time to cook a nice, nutritious dinner every night of the week. And for me, this usually results in a very sad meal consisting of SpaghettiOs and tears over the kitchen sink. At least it did until I tried Factor. Factor delivers fresh, never frozen, dietitian approved meals right to your doorstep, making healthy eating habits easy to adopt and stick to. Every week, you're given 35 different options to choose from that are tailored to a variety of diets, whether you're going keto, vegan, or just trying to limit your calories. In as little as two minutes, you can fuel up with restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are, which has been a lifesaver for my wife and I. With both of us working full-time on the channel now, it's easy to get lost in the sauce and work right through the time that we normally use to cook dinner. But now we have an alternative that's equally delicious, nutritious, and satisfying. We still get that important time at the dinner table to talk, catch up on our favorite shows, and arm wrestle, but we don't have to put hours into grocery shopping and prep work, even though the meals still taste like we did. So if you want to save yourself some time, money, stress, and get some delicious food out of it, head to factor75.com or click the link below and use code johnsolo50 to get 50% off your first factor box and free wellness shots for life. That's two free wellness shots from three available flavors for every order while you're an active subscriber. Again, just head to factor75.com or click the link below and use code johnsolo50. Now, if you look in the back of any of the Scary Stories books, you'll find a resource section where author Alvin Schwartz explains exactly where he took his inspiration from. In the case of The Horse, it turns out that tales similar to it have been told all over the world. However, the version he used as inspiration can be found in a book called Up Cutchin and Down Greasy, Folkways of a Kentucky Mountain Family by Leonard W. Roberts. Honestly, the story is almost exactly the same but a few interesting details are added, as well as a brutal ending that was even less safe for kids than the rest of the stories found in the trilogy. Firstly, the sick farmhand is not only tired from the witch's late night joyrides, he's actually emaciated and wasting away. Also, after Boone is turned into a horse and brought to the party, it takes him a few attempts to get the bridle off because the witch catches him fidgeting with it a few times and refastens it on his back. But last but not least, we have the witch's husband. In the original story, he is horrified to find out the truth about his wife, so he takes his gun off the wall and shoots her brains out. Seriously, that's not even my phrasing. The story literally says he took his gun and shot her brains out, and that was the last of the witch. Honestly, it's kind of a happy ending for everyone but the husband. Now he's out a horse and a wife. But like I said, this story is just one of several nearly identical stories that have been collected from all across Europe, including Ireland, Scotland, England, and Sweden. Witches have been associated with horses and non-consensual late-night shenanigans for centuries now, possibly even longer than lonely men have. If you watched my previous episode on the messed up origins of the Pale Lady, who's featured in another scary story, you may remember me talking about night hags, also known as nightmares. Before the word nightmare referred to a bad dream, it was used to describe witches and other demonic evil women who would creep into random houses at night, 
climb onto a bed where someone was sleeping, sit on their chest, and use magic to drain the life out of them. These women were known as Mara, which meant crusher in Old English, and referred to the crushing weight she placed on her victim's chests that made it nearly impossible to breathe. In some cases, these Mara would even transform their victims into animals and ride them across the countryside, like what the witch did to Caleb and Boone. In reality, it's likely that Mara victims were suffering from an awful combination of bad dreams and sleep paralysis. But there is more to these night hags than I previously let on. Because another behavior these night hags were accused of was stealing horses in the middle of the night and riding them to pure exhaustion, then either returning them to the stable covered in sweat with tangled manes, or leaving them to roam in the wilderness where they would easily be taken out by predators in their weakened state. You're gonna find this crazy, but belief in horse thieving night hags was so pervasive and widely accepted that when the first ever English book on how to raise horses was published way back in 1564, the author Thomas Blundeville wrote an entire chapter on how to ward off these she-demons. So what were the methods he suggested? Some of you folklore fans will probably be familiar with adder stones, also known as hag stones. These are special stones with natural perforations once believed to be created by the saliva of serpents massing together. Adder stones were, and still are, thought to possess a number of magical properties, like the power to cure disease, but they were mostly worn and hung around the property as protection from witchcraft and other forms of evil. Blundeville suggested hanging hag stones over the entrances of stables and your home to prevent any night hags from abusing your four-legged friends or turning you into one of them. That would be like if Coding for Dummies told you to hang a rabbit's foot over your CPU to avoid viruses. Now let me just put this out there. The night hags taking horses for joy rides were, more likely than not, just regular everyday ne'er-do-wells looking for some cheap thrills. And it would make perfect sense for the horse to be sweaty and exhausted the next morning if the time it was supposed to be resting was spent racing around the countryside, just like Caleb in the scary story. A really interesting detail though is that the horse's own Owners would also worry about the horse's hair being knotted. It sounds like that would be a perfectly natural thing to happen with animals, like my dog Penny gets knots in her hair that we have to fix every so often, but these people believe that those knots were part of a witch's ladder. I've surprisingly never heard of witch ladders before, but they're super interesting tools in witchcraft that can be made of rope, string, or hair and act as a padlock for whatever gift or curse the user is trying to conjure up. The only way to break the curse would be to untie the knot, so you can be sure that any responsible horse owner would check for knots after their horse had been taken out by a witch lest they be cursed. As you can see, witches have been a real fear of mankind for a long time now, but until surprisingly recently, people were allowed to deal with those fears using whatever violent method they saw fit. What I'm saying is the witch getting her brains blown out by her husband is accurate to history, and I can demonstrate that with some examples of women who suffered the same fate, maybe even worse. Most people in the Western world are familiar with the witch trials of Salem, Massachusetts. That dark period from 1692 to 1693, where as many as 200 people were accused of witchcraft, 30 were found guilty, and 19 of those guilty were executed. It's a horrifying example of the needless pain and misery that mass hysteria can lead to, but it's only a tiny, tiny taste of the centuries-long witch hunts that took place in British America and Europe. 
It's estimated that between the years of 1400 and 1775, as many as 60,000 women and men were executed for practicing witchcraft. One victim in particular bears a strong resemblance to the witch in the story. She's called Janet Horn, and she was the last person in the British Isles to be executed legally for witchcraft, which is just bad luck. I gotta imagine her ghost was like, really? You guys stop this right after me. What, did cutting out my heart cause a change in yours? Now, to be clear, the details of this story were difficult to verify because Janet Horn wasn't the accused's real name. It was actually just a placeholder name for witches in Scotland at that point, so we can't exactly look up the birth and death records of a woman whose identity we don't know. However, there is an article from a 1923 installment of the esteemed Scottish Historical Review where the author describes the exact incident in horrifying detail. And if you're interested, you can read it for free on JSTOR. He describes Jenny Horn as an insane old woman who was accused of transforming her own daughter into a pony and having horseshoes nailed to her hands and feet by the devil himself. The town's residents claimed she had ridden the girl around so much that her hands and feet would be broken and lame for the rest of her life. That would be disgusting and pure evil if true, but it obviously wasn't. This poor lady was just senile with a physically disabled daughter, but that didn't stop the real monster, Sheriff Deputy David Ross, from sentencing her and her daughter to death by tar and burning. And just so you can get a full grasp of the magnitude of this evil deed and how detached from reality old Janet Dorn was, it's reported that on the chilly morning of her execution, she was using the bonfire that they made to burn her with to warm her hands up. She had no idea what her neighbors were about to do to her or that her last minutes on earth would entail being beaten, stripped, smeared with tar, carried through town on a barrel, and then burned alive. It doesn't get more tragic than that, but the very, very thin silver lining is that Janet's daughter managed to escape being executed. Though I'm not sure how, considering that her hands and feet are described as essentially being useless. I guess that's just another way that her accusers were totally wrong. Now, if any of you witches find yourself touring Scotland in the present day, take assurance in the fact that laws against witchcraft were repealed in 1736, so you don't have to worry about suffering the same fate as Janet Horn. But you can always visit the town where her execution took place, Dornoch. In fact, the town marked the exact spot of her execution with a small stone, meaning you can stand on the very same ground where the last witch in Scotland was killed. And if that wasn't a very messed up origin, I don't know what is. Let me know your thoughts on the horror story in a comment down below, and feel free to leave a suggestion for other scary stories you want me to research the origins of. Also, if you enjoyed today's feature presentation, remember to sacrifice those five star and follow buttons so the algorithm gods bless you with more messed up content every Friday morning. I'll see you all next week when we dive back into the worlds of ancient mythology. Until then, my name is John Solo, and remember, John shot first.